Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. She's never wanted the microphone, and I convinced her to come out here and help me teach today. Hey, so would y'all give your hand for Alex? You guys know I really love you guys to be up here. <laughs> and she lost her voice. voice. I said the devil's just trying to stop her. She's got something, she's got something good to say. Um, and I'll tell you, I'm honestly a little nervous because this just means that she can actually contradict any of the stories I tell that aren't true. That's true. Um, but I only tell the truth, so we don't have to worry about that. Hey, how many of you enjoying this series, Bigger Than I Thought? Have you all enjoyed it? I've loved it. This has been my favorite series that we've ever done. And I believe that as we wrap up this series today, that God has something very unique for us. This whole series, we've been in the book of Joshua, and we're going to continue into that. But first, let me ask you this. Did you guys enjoy Easter Sunday last week? Was that, was that as enjoyable for you as it was for me? Man, it was so awesome. And the stories I got and the people who text me and said, man, my friends never wanted to go to church. I brought them to church. And, and they just said, I love that place. I've never been to a church like that. And it's always awesome when people get in the right place where God wants them to be. And on days like that, you see it happen. Just so y'all know, so we can celebrate. We had 227 people yet last week, and 14 people got saved. So huge, yeah. Amazing. When we started Valley Rise, it, it was so cool. When we started Valley Rise, the first person that we got to come to Valley Rise, we moved here, we didn't know anybody. We moved here, and the first person we got to come to Valley Rise was the ADT man, okay, who knocked on my door and just was trying to sell me an alarm system. I said, I'll buy an alarm system if you come to our first interest meeting, okay? And so he said he'll come, and he, like, probably about almost a year in, moved up to Pittsburgh, and this, this Sunday, I'm sitting back here greeting, and he walks in the back door and surprised me. Would y'all give a hand for Zach, who's in the back, was the first person that ever committed to come to Valley Rise Church. I mean, I, I could have cried when he walked in there today. Um, so cool how God orchestrates things. And, and, and he called me yesterday. He goes, I have a friend coming to church tomorrow. I said, well, tell him to come up and say hey to me. You know, I'd love to meet him. And then, then he walked in. And I was like, you are your friend. This is... Uh, so we love this and we love doing life together with y'all. We're excited about this series. And then as we move into May, we're going into our series, um, Running with the Giants. And that is going to be a great series. Is we're going to examine the lives of key people in the Bible and talk about how we can learn so much from what they've done. And really the premise behind this series that we start next month is the Bible talks about as we run our race that the saints of old are cheering us on. They're encouraging us. And so there's almost this picture of them in the stands cheering us as we run our race. And what I love to think of in this series is if those people, the great giants of old, the Davids and the Elijahs and the, the Marys and the amazing characters that the Bible unfolds before us, if they could jump out of the stands and run one lap with us, what would they tell us? What wisdom would they give us? What would they say that we would go, God, that is life changing. And so I'm so excited as we start that next week. Hey, if you pray with me, we'll jump into it. Dear God, thank you so much for each and every person here. Thank you for what you want to share with us today, God. We know that you have a word for us. We know that it's not our words, but it's your words. I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, God, that there'd be something that's said today that moves us a step closer to you and a step closer to people. I pray that you would continue to grow us. Let us get close to you, God, and close to those around us. Thank you that we get to do life with this amazing group of people called Valley Rise Church. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. So how do you know there's a big difference between, well, first let me say this. How many of you are married? Married people, raise your hand. If you're sitting next to your spouse and they didn't raise their hand, that's cause for concern. Uh, how many of you are single? Single? 
Okay, Stick, keep your hands up, keep your hands up, single people, look around, you're welcome, all right, you're welcome. Now you just know, you know what I mean, I got you. Um, there's a big difference between walking through some of the bigger than I thought moments that we've talked about in the last three weeks as single person, and there's a big difference between walking through them married. And every married person said, amen. And you know that when you walk through life together, it changes. Everyone goes, when we get married, we're going to stay exactly the same. Nothing's going to change. It's just going to be like we're dating every day. And I look at those people and I just go, I can't wait. And when you do, tell me how you do it. It's going to be awesome. Just teach me when you learn that trick, okay? And, um, I, you know, I always tell people, when you get married, what happens is men think the women are never going to change. Okay, we want you to stay exactly the same. We want you to love to fish with us, to go to baseball games with us, to drink beer like you love it. Like, we just want you to stay like we found you in college, okay? And women, you think we're going to change, okay? You go, oh, he's immature, but he's going to change. He's going to grow. He's, gonna, he's not always going to be like this. And you get married, and what happens is the women change, okay, and we stay exactly the same. <laughs> One of us has to be responsible. <laughs> One of us has to be responsible. Yes, yes. And, and then we go on a journey of growing together. Um, so it is a big difference, though, when you walk through bigger than I thought moments alone and when you walk through them as a married couple. And so today we're going to talk with you just about some of those bigger than I thought moments in our lives and some of what God has been faithful in our life and what that looks like. And I believe that it's going to encourage you. Joshua 4, 1 through 7, as we jump back in, our theme verse uh, for, the, for the, this whole series has been out of Joshua. And we just, two weeks ago, we talked about them crossing over the River Jordan. Remember that? They crossed over the River Jordan. When they set their foot in the river, it parted waves. What an amazing miracle. We talked about how we can do that in our own lives. And by stepping out when things seem impossible and watching God meet us, we pick up this story on the other side of the Jordan. When all the nations had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and then bring them over with you and lay them down in the places where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into this midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign, wait, according to the tribe of the people of Israel, hold on, this is small, I need to get my eyesight checked. Uh, Lord, take your God in the midst, according to the numbers of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask you in time to come, this is important, when your children ask you in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, so the stone shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. I love this because I believe that God calls us this same way when he does something in our life to do what he called the people of Israel to do. They've just encountered this amazing miracle. They've just seen God do something that they never thought would happen, a bigger than they thought moment. And God goes, listen, so that you never forget this, I want you to take 12 men, get a stone each, and put them on the other bank so that when your children ask you, hey, what are these stones for? That you can remind them of the times that God showed up and was faithful to you. I want you to say this with me. God is faithful. God has been faithful. And God will be faithful. God is faithful. God has been faithful. And God will be faithful. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, 
or a son of man that he should change his mind? Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? How many of you know that oftentimes it's far easier for us to believe that God is faithful after he's been faithful to us? How many of you, God has ever done something in your life that you said, I know God intervened. I know God saved my life. I know he showed up. I know he did something big in my life. I know he, I know. I was talking with a lady of a very large, uh, her husband owns a very large company. If I said it, you would all know it. And, and I ran into them in a restaurant the other night and we're having a conversation. And he makes it very clear that he is, he is not a church guy, wants nothing to do with church. And she pulls me aside and starts telling me, she goes, I know that my husband's not like this, but God did something in my life. And he, he was faithful to me in this moment. She starts weeping and she goes, I know that God has a plan for me because he showed up in this moment when I really, really needed him. And there was no other way that it could be anything other than God. And I just thought, isn't it as amazing that we can have moments like that but then life happens and quickly we walk away from the faithfulness of God. And I love this because what they're saying is that Moses is telling us in Numbers is that God is not a man. He doesn't walk away from us like that. When we are faithless, he is still faithful. When we walk away after the bigger than I thought moments, God is still there. So I want to I talk to you about, we were, we were at, um, we were, what were we, so there's a, when we were dating, I'll just say that. <laughs> when we were dating, um, my mother-in-law came to me. We had gone on our first date. My mother-in-law comes to me. I ran into her outside of a coffee shop. She said, I know this sounds crazy. Now, I know y'all don't picture Pastor Christian as wild, okay? But just trust me, I was wild back in the day. All the women would go to her and be like, do not date Christian Aranza, okay? I'm just telling you, you don't want to be the next girl in line. I'm like, That's, they're lying. They're just hurt, scorned lovers, okay? A woman scorned. And um, she came to me, and she goes, listen, I know this is crazy. We're sitting outside of, of uh, what was it? It was Starbucks or the lab or whatever. It was called a coffee shop right next to where I got my hair cut. And we come out, and she goes, hey, can we talk for us? And we sit down, and she says, I know this is crazy, but I, I feel like God gave me this dream, and I saw you and Alex. I saw you and Alex, and, and I, it was just I saw him using y'all, and I saw y'all doing ministry together, and I saw, now this is after our first date. I'm not in ministry, okay? I'm wild. I was at the club the night before, okay? This is not, this is not, this is not Pastor Christian. He's like, praise the Lord, this seems like a word from God. Like, I, I dated Alex because, like, she was just fine, and, like, I, just, I don't know, like, I was, that was it. I, was, I remember doing a marriage thing when I was in college, and they asked me, what's the best thing you can look for in a wife? And I said, if she's fine, okay? Because there's a lot of times that I'm mad at Alex, but I mean, look, I mean, how can you be mad at this? You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm gonna find me someone else. She's like, who? I'm like, not anyone better, so I'm gonna just stay here now that I think about it, you know? And, and we begin a journey of dating, and, and there are many times that she had to cling to the promise that God gave her a big faithful, what God had shown her for our relationship. I was a very easy boyfriend, let me say that, wouldn't you say? I mean, She'd say it was pretty easy to date me. <laughs> to an extent. <laughs> to an extent. She said you were pretty easy. That was a big difference. I don't know if y'all caught that, okay? There's a big difference between easy to date and pretty easy. And um, we went through some ups and downs. We dated, what, three years? Yeah, three, Th years. three years long distance. Uh, then we got married my last year in the military. And um, there was, how many you know you date long distance? That's a big, there's a lot there. Um, and I'll never forget one time we broke up probably six months 
And I was so convinced that God had shown me she was the one, okay? I just knew it. She was the one. The first time I ever saw her, I walked home. I came home. I won't tell you how old she was because it was a little weird, but I saw her, and I came in, and I told my mom, I said, that's the most beautiful girl I've ever seen in my whole life. Do you think I could marry her? And my mom goes, no, Christian, she's, she's too young. She's four years younger than me, so I'll let you do the math. We started dating when I was 20, okay? Uh, so she goes, she's too young for you, and there's that, you know, that's, that's, that's not... Well, obviously she was wrong, I'm just saying. Um, and, and, but I remember that moment going, I think there was something when I saw her inside of me, that even lost Christian that was wild, that just said, there's, there's something about her, if I could spend my life with somebody like that. So, so we break up for six months. We've been dating. It was probably two and a half years in us dating. We break up. She starts hanging out with this Abercrombie and Fitch model. That Listen, let me just say this. First of all, he ain't got nothing on me, Okay. Not at all. Not at all. Thank you. Say it louder for the people. Um, Not at all. Okay. Um, and, and I was devastated. I was like, what, what, am, what am I? You ever find yourself in those moments where you know God promised you something, but it doesn't look like it's going to come to fruition? You ever find yourself in those moments where you know God has spoken something so clearly to you, and yet you have no idea how it could happen? And I'll never forget the moment I was leaving a church service. I, I was so depressed I started going to church, okay, because I wasn't, again, I was in the Air Force. I was wild. This was not like a, this was not Christ, Pastor Christian. This is a different Christian. You guys don't know this Christian. Hopefully you never know this Christian. And I, I'm, I go to church. I'm so depressed. I go to church. And I'm pulling out of church, and I said this, God, I give her to you. She's yours. I, you know, I don't even, if it's your plan, great. If not, I don't even want it. I want whatever you want, God. Okay, now little do I know, and let me tell you this, those of you who are dating or married, you never know what God is doing in the other person. You never know when you get in an argument. Listen to me, never discount God's ability to speak to your spouse in the moment of an argument. What will take you four hours to try and convince them of, God is able to do in a moment like that. And there's many times still to this day we have arguments, and we'll, I'll walk in the bedroom, and then I'll go, you know, I'm going to go pray about it. And there's times I close that door, and the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart and goes, you're wrong. And I'm like, shoot, God, not me again. Like, and there's times that, that I walk in the door and I close and I go, I, man, I just don't feel anything. And she'll knock on the door and she'll go, it's me. And I'm like, yes, sucker, finally, bam. But you know, like one of our guys in small group said this week, you got to act like you've been there, man. You know what I mean? You got to act like you've been there before when you do win a fight. You're just like, hey, you know, we all mess up. And sometimes, you know, it's just, whew. You ever turn your back and smile? You know, man, when you're, you know, let me just show you all. You're having an argument this way, and you, you keep this face on. Hey, it's okay. You know, it's, and you turn around, and you do this face. <laughs> Wives, y'all don't know that face, okay? But I'm just saying, we make that face behind y'all's back when we win an argument. <laughs> and when I catch him, I say, I'm sorry, you don't forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> she says, I don't forgive you anymore. I take it back. Um, but the... I drive out of this church and I say, God, she's yours. I don't want her if it's not what you have for us. And I'm halfway down. I was stationed in Destin, Florida. I'm driving from San Destin to Fort Walton Beach. For those of you that are familiar with the area, I'm on Highway 98. I turn left and I get about 10 minutes into my drive and my phone rings and it's Alex. Now, we've been broken up for six months. And my phone rings and it's Alex. And she goes, can, can we meet up this week and talk? And I'm literally like, what in the world? Like, what just happened? This is... And we meet up, and she goes, it's you. It's always been you. That other Abercrombie and Fitch model has nothing on you. He's not even good looking. He's not half as good looking as you, you know. And, and <laughs> it hurts me when y'all laugh like that. Um, <laughs> and, and we got back together, and we ended up dating him. But, Mom, talk about in those moments, 
where we had been, again, we'd, we'd thrown a lot into this relationship. And I'm going to detail, married people hold on, but for those of you who are dating, I wanted to give you just a snippet of what this looks like because this was not easy. And people sometimes go, you don't know what it's like. I mean, me and my boyfriend, we haven't seen each other in four weeks. And I'm like, we, said, we dated long distance for three years, okay? Like, what do, you, what do you mean we don't know what it's like? Y'all see this. Like, y'all don't see the three-year journey. And I encourage you, it was a huge honor. Pray.com released a podcast on our story this week in three parts. You can go to Life, Leadership, and Legacy. They released to 10 million listeners this week uh, that, that we did for them. It was awesome. And I encourage you, if you, if you want to give it a listen, just promise you won't look down on us after. Because we all have a story. And I think uh, if everyone saw everyone's story, you'd view people much differently. And so, Mom, talk about that. What do you feel like in the midst of, of that journey is, is dating? And you, I was wild. And, and we walked through many, many, you know, crazy things with me. How did you hold on to hope in that time? How did you do Because you felt like God had promised you that we were supposed to be together as well. I think, you know, when we met, we were both crazy. We were wild. I didn't know he was the one from the beginning. It was kind of just like a, it was kind of what you mean? like this, this Who wild, else could it be? crazy time. And the more I got to know him, I realized there was this, like, resilience about him. So I knew even in his crazy he just had so much purpose. Somewhere in that craziness, there was huge purpose and this resilience. And I think even through those really hard moments, there was still something I really saw in him. And, you know, when we broke up, it was like, even though I knew he was, he was wild and he had a lot of maturing to do, you just, you know. And I think when you're close, when you're close to Jesus and choose to stay close to him in those times, um, I think he really does get you through, like, our huge breakup for six months. Um, I don't know, just staying faithful. I knew it was him. I wasn't going to let him know it was him. <laughs> but just praying, I don't think you should ever estimate the power of prayer. Um, just have. So let me ask you this, Mama, because in, in the midst of those, in, in the midst of that, you just said something really good. How, you know, I chose to stay close to Jesus. How did you do that? Because. I know that, that that wasn't, I was on Bourbon Street the week after we broke yeah. up. Okay? So for me, I'm so like, oh, for it's a sure, choice. for Let sure. <laughs> it's a choice. So how, 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 how did you make that, what, was, what pushed you to, to go into the faithfulness of God versus Bourbon Street? I guess I feel like anyone can choose that route. Um, and it had nothing to do with Christians. So to this day, even when we walk through like really rough patches in marriage it has nothing to do with him on how I love him it has everything to do with Jesus and if I'm loving God and I'm staying faithful to God and I'm pressing into him um I love Christian based on my love for God not so much my love for Christian even though I love him dearly if I am faithful to God he gives me that abundance of love and grace to be able to deal with whatever I feel like when we were dating is thrown at me, whether it was yeah. marriage, when we walked through a really hard time, whether it's huge arguments, whatever it is, I choose to love him based on my love for God. And then that results and reflects my love for him. That's really good. And for those of you that are either dating or married, I want you to capsulize what she just said. I love Christian, not out of my love for him, but out of my love for Jesus. And when I love Jesus wholeheartedly allows me to love Christian wholeheartedly. And believe me, she's got to love Jesus wholeheartedly to love me wholeheartedly, okay? And don't get me wrong. There was many times I could have lashed out and done whatever the heck I wanted to, but it's not worth it. It would have gotten me nowhere. Heck, easy. There's <laughs> children in here. Um, 
Jacob is looking at. Luke 137. Luke 137. God is faithful. God has been faithful. Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. When me and Alex started dating, um, this is, I, I knew, Al, let me say this. Again, I need y'all to not judge me, okay? I need y'all to know that I was not the person now, that I, then that I am now. Somebody told me, Alex Sifton can't have kids. And I was like, that sounds like a perfect girlfriend, first of all, okay? And I know, I know, I, now it's horrible, okay? Then I'm just telling you, my lost mind, I'm going like, this is, and, and so I went into marriage knowing we couldn't have children. Alex had a tumor when she was eight years old that ate one of her ovaries. We went into marriage, them knowing, hey, you're probably not gonna be able to have children. We had had that conversation, we're gonna adopt, you know? And, and um, we went into it knowing that. We went into it knowing, hey, this is going to be a difficult road, but, but we're going to walk through this road together. We go to Oral Roberts University where I went to school after the military and had walked through countless. I mean, she was all, we were in the hospital, it felt like once a month with cysts and with her other ovary. We had to try and protect it. We had to do all, the, all these crazy different things because if there was any chance, it was going to come from this other ovary. And so we were constantly trying to make sure that if we had any chance ever, that we could protect this other ovary. And I remember we went to a, we went to a, like a revival meeting that one of my friends drugged me to. It was the craziest thing. Um, they said, you know, if, somebody, if you have fertility problems, you want to raise your hand. And so Alex is praying. And the guy who was putting it on was a friend of a friend of mine. And so he comes over and he prays for Alex. And Alex sits down on the floor and he's praying for her. And um, very emotional moment. And, you know, we're, we're praying and just believing that God's going to do what, what, what we're believing for. Now we're, now we're two years into marriage. You know, year in, I guess we're a year into marriage going like, okay, like, hey. We're, it's really settled in it. We may never have children together. Yeah, this is, we're desperate. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of desperate. And, and um, it was the craziest thing because I think this is one of those bigger than I thought moments that in the midst of that, we finish, we leave. And Alex, when we leave this prayer meeting, goes, who was the old? Y'all, I'm a big crybaby, so just bear with me. <laughs> who was the old Indian lady that was praying for me sitting next to me? And I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, there was, a, there was an Indian lady, an older Indian lady sitting next to me praying for me. And I'm like, if there, there was no Indian lady. It was the guy praying, and it was me. That was it. Like, there was other people around us, but there was, there was no one. She goes, I'm telling you, the lady was praying in my ear. She kept, she kept praying, um, and, 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 you know, we, I got to find her. And, and I don't know who that lady was. Again, I was there. I was right next to her. No clue who it was. It was you guys, a, I'm walking around everywhere. It's a huge auditorium, and I'm going to find her. Like, I'm going to find this lady. Yeah. No clue. All I know is after that moment, we didn't, she had no more cysts. Okay. For the, we, we, we didn't go to the hospital again another year. But, I mean, it was just like God did something in this moment that was bigger than what we thought he could do. Flash forward to old Roberts, I'm there. She comes to class with me one day, and we're leaving, and this lady, I'm leaving, walking down into the parking lot from class, and this lady stops. I'm actually sliding down a rail because I'm a big kid, and this lady starts yelling, excuse me, sir, excuse me, sir, and I'm like, this lady's going to tell me not to slide down the rails. Okay, literally, me and Alice both looked at each other. She's like, why do you always get us in trouble? I'm like, I don't know. just thought it'd be fun to slide down the rail, you know? And um, she comes over, and she goes, I know this sounds crazy, but can I... Can I just pray for y'all? I feel like God wants to say something to you. Now, I grew up in kind of a very charismatic movement, and, 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 and I kind of have an aversion to that naturally because of a lot of the things I saw. So I'm like, hey, you know, I mean, I, I guess. And, and so the lady starts praying, and the lady tells us three things. 
First, she tells Alex, she says, God's about to do something in you that you never thought he could do. Now, again, we're, we're, we don't even, kids is the furthest thing from our mind. We're going like, Alex, literally, we finish, she finishes praying out, we get in the car, she goes, maybe she was, t- <laughs> maybe she was talking about getting my personal training certificate. I've been wanting to get that. Like, so do what she said. I mean, that's where our mind was. We were like, maybe so, like, you're going to be a personal trainer. Praise God. You've always wanted to do that. And like, we, then she looks at me and she says, you're going to be a super cool college pastor and you're going to do crazy things and people are going to come watch you because you just like, you know, preach barefooted and in bathing suits and you all wear tank tops and like you just do crazy stuff and like, no, you don't care. You're just going to preach and people are going to come watch you preach. We, we get in the car. We're just like, man, that's so wild. You know, but she told us one other thing. It hasn't happened yet, so I won't say it. But um, a couple months later, we find out we're pregnant and And we, we find out we're pregnant. We go down to Lafayette, Louisiana, because we're going to go do our first ultrasound. We're going to go do our first ultrasound with our family. Because, again, this is a family journey. We've all walked through this. We've walked through this together for a while, since she's 16, in and out of surgeries and doing hospital visits and all kind of craziness. And um, we go in, and, and I was a medic in the Air Force, so I, I know what an ultrasound looks like. I do, and, and, and you go, like, what do you do in the Air Force if you're a medic? You do everything. You deliver babies. You do spinal taps. They literally let you do anything. They're like, you feel comfortable doing this? You're like, yeah. They're like, all right, go ahead and do it. Like, it's kind of shady. I'm just going to be honest. But... <laughs> Like, literally, you watch the doctor do it one time. They're like, you know how to do a chest tube? I'm like, no. They're like, watch this. They do it. They're like, all right, you got the next one. You're like, okay. okay. Um, so we go into the ultrasound, and they start doing the ultrasound. We're so excited. We're going to have a baby. I mean, this is like, we didn't, even, we didn't even dream that this could happen for us. It wasn't even a possibility in our mind. And we start doing the ultrasound, and they put it on there. And Alex is excited, and she's looking, going, you know, where's the heartbeat? And I'm looking at it, realizing there is no heartbeat. And her mom is there. My mom's there. And they're going, show us where the heartbeat is. And immediately I realize there is no heartbeat. And they call the doctor and they go, we're going to send you over to the doctor to go see the doctor. And I know what that means. They don't know what that means. And I said, hey, I'm going to go get the car. And I go to get the car and I sit in the car. And I just scream at God, how could you do this? How could you do this? Why would you even let this become a possibility if this wasn't going to happen? God, where are you in the moments like this that we really, really needed you? Where are you, God, in the midst of something like this? This woman told us we haven't had any issues. Like, God, where are you? What is going on? And in the midst of moments like that, and you may be there today in a moment like that, is where we've got to realize that God is faithful. God has been faithful, and God will be faithful. We leave there, and, and I pick them up, and it's, it's as you can imagine. You know, we go, and they tell us, hey, sorry, you know, they, something happened. and just they, they, Really, there's no baby, and we, you know, we're sorry. And we begin that process. Mom, talk, about, talk for a second about what, because I know what that was like for me, but for all the women out here that maybe are, or have walked through that, what is that like? Um, when I think of seasons of life that have been the darkest, that was one of them. And um, I think you, like I found myself at at the very end of myself, probably, you know, so they told us, you know, there was no heartbeat, you know, do you want to miscarry miscarry naturally or do you want to have a DNC? Like the moment we found out the news, I'm like, I have no clue. And I think 
just processing it, you know, I miscarried naturally and going through that process, I just, I couldn't understand, like, why, why would this lady give me a word? Why would I so believe that I'm going to have kids one day and this is happening? And I was almost mad at God for sure for a season and I got stuck. I got stuck for the first time in depression. I just found myself just at my complete end. And I remember he's like knocking on the bathroom door and I'm like, leave me alone. I mean, I'm, I'm just so at my end. And I feel like it's in those moments where God really meets you and it's a choice. It's a choice to get back up on your feet and keep going. And, um, you know, I feel like he really does grow you in those moments if you choose to just be faithful and let him meet you where you are. Yeah, and, and so we, we walk that journey. And for those of you who have walked that journey, you know the journey that that is and the frustrations that that is. And being upset with God, going, God, why like this? Why let this happen? Why tell us something's going to happen we never thought could happen if it wouldn't ever happen, God? Why would this? And so you put the hope of it away. And you, you almost get frustrated with God and you go, I'm not going to depend on God for anything if when I do, I'm going to be let down. If when I do, it's going to feel like this, then I'm not going to do any of it. And I believe that God was walking us through a journey for many reasons. But I think God was, it was go ahead. And I think there's seasons too where, you know, I'm, I'm so depressed, I'm barely getting by. And that really is why God gives you a helpmate. Because there's so many days and moments where he would literally pull me out of that. And you really do need that in so many seasons in your darkest moments of life, you know? It was probably six months later that, that we found out again, hey, we, we think we're, we're pregnant. And any of you that have ever walked that journey know that's not an exciting thing once you walk through that the first time. Now you're going, I, I don't even, you know, I'm dreading the ultrasound. We're dread, we don't even want to tell anybody. You don't want to. And, and we go, and for those of you who obviously know us, we, we now have three children, and so God has been very faithful to us. Our, our oldest is sitting on the front row. And um, <clears throat> that was Eli, and Eli is, is, is he is a, every time I see him, he is a, a, a stone of the promises of God. He is a stone of the promises of God. And I encourage you, those moments like that, you can have a child in the midst of that and be thankful, but forget to mark them as a stone of God's faithfulness in your life. To forget to go, you know what? God has been so faithful to me. Every time I see him, God is faithful. On the worst nights, when, when marriage is hard, when the church is difficult, when things aren't going the way I think they should go, and I go to tuck Eli in and I kiss his head and I go, you're the joy of my life. I'm reminded, God is faithful. God has been faithful. And God will be faithful. God will be faithful. Limitations 3, 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. Great is your faithfulness, God. God has been faithful. God, God is faithful. God has been faithful. And God will be faithful. And you may be in a season this morning of, will God be faithful to me? I know it's easy to sit out there and look at us and go, God, like, look, they just, they have like, they're, they're so cute and they do a church and they've got kids and their kids are sweet. That's a lie. And, and they just, no, you're sweet. It's the other ones, okay? Um, and, and then, you know, if we had that, if our marriage looked like that, 
if our story was like that. But again, you only see this part of the story. And I think every time we sit down with people and share our whole story, it's a testimony to God's faithfulness. Because what y'all don't see is two years into marriage when I walked away from this relationship for somebody else and said, I'm done, I'm done with this thing called marriage. I'm not, I'm not doing this. Nobody sees that part of the story. Nobody sees the six months that we were separated. Nobody sees the filing for divorce. Nobody sees those parts of the story. And we all have them. We all have the areas that you go, man, I bet nobody else has ever walked through this. And I want you to know, if you're in those moments, even in marriage right now, where you're going, I don't know if we're going to make it. I don't know if we can make it. My ma- I've read so many prayer cards that said, pray for my marriage. My marriage is dying. I want you to know you are around the corner from what this can look like. That your marriage isn't dead. It's as dead as you'll let it be dead. If you'll put in the work, if you will trust in God's faithfulness, if you will count on God who has been faithful, is faithful, he will be faithful. And this is right around the corner. And the reason Pray.com did a, a podcast on our story, went up to over 10 million listeners, is because our story is a bad story. They don't do stories on people that have good stories. Let me just help you out. But those are the best stories. Those are, stories are the only stories you really want to hear. But listen to me. If you don't have a mess, it's not a recipe for the miracle that God wants to do in your life. So if you feel like you're in a place this morning where your life is in a mess, you are a prime candidate for God to do a miracle inside of you. If your marriage is in a mess, guess what? You are a prime candidate for God to do a miracle in your marriage. If your finances are in a mess, if your relationships are in a mess, if your friendships are in a mess, if your work is in a mess, you are a prime candidate for God to do a miracle in your life. Because God doesn't take the perfect and make it more perfect. God takes the messes in our lives and turns them into miracles so that only he can get the credit and glory. The people that know us, they don't give us the credit and glory. They go, it is a miracle by the grace of God that y'all are where you are today, that you get to do what you get to do, that God has given y'all the platform he's given y'all, that you get to have the relationships that he's given you. I tell her all the time, I go to these events with people and I come home and she goes, what are you thinking? I just sob and I just go, I don't, it's it's amazing to me that I get to be in these rooms. It's amazing to me that they call me to go to this stuff. It is the faithfulness and grace alone, yet I ever think it has anything to do with me. And I just want you to know, if your life looks like God can't use it, it means that God wants to use it greatly so that you'll never think that it was because of you, but that you'll be so confident that it was 100% because of him. If your mess, if your life is in a mess currently, you are a prime candidate for God to make a miracle out of it. Mama? Okay, I'm going to say this one thing. Um, I think it was Tuesday our podcast came out, and, you know, Christian kind of told me, he was doing a podcast six months ago on our story, and I thought, oh, great, never revisit it. So I'm at my dining room table, and I'm listening to this podcast, and, you know, I'm, like, playing with the grooves in the table. I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to our whole story. I'm like, wow, you know, you feel all the emotions of going back there and really just sitting there thankful. And I just thought, I'm like, I have found myself at this exact dining room table through every dark moment of my life, whether it was miscarriages, whether it was my marriage, whether it was a loss of someone, whether it was a loss of a friendship. And I found myself there and I just realized this is the table that God has set in front of me. And I, through my wins and through my weaknesses, he always meets me here. 
And I think for all of you, there's always a table set in front of you, no matter what it is you're going through, have walked through, whatever it may be. And on that table, he has an abundance of grace, an abundance of hope, an abundance of freedom, an abundance of love. And it really is our choice to just reach out and grab one of them because nobody else can give you any of those things. And I don't know, that just encouraged me sitting there at my dining room table thinking, wow, this table has been with us for a long time. And, you know, he's faithful. He will never leave us or forsake us. And if there's anything that I feel like how we've gotten through a lot of dark areas in our life is that table. It's him. And I feel like those are the things that you hold on to that crush every stone in your life that you're walking through. I love that. And I think when, when she told me that, I thought of Psalms 123, which says he prepares a table before us in the midst of our enemies. He prepares a table before us in the midst of our enemies. What does that mean? It means that even in the worst scenarios of your life, God is willing to set up a table and go, come sit down with me and let's spend time together. Come, come sit down with me and let's forget everything that's going around. Come sit down with me and spend time with me. Come, come let me remind you of my faithfulness. Come let me remind you of where you used to be and how far you've come. Come let me remind you of the stones that are in your life. And the reason that it says to set these stones there is so that you would never forget the times that God has been faithful to you. That God has been faithful, he is faithful, and he will be faithful. And once you learn this, it becomes a recipe for you to have hope. Because what happens is you go through a scenario that seems impossible. And the enemy starts telling you, you'll never get through this. You'll never get over this. You'll never have the marriage you want. You'll never have the friendships you want. You'll never have the relationship with God you want. You'll never, and he'll start telling you all the things that will never happen for you. But the, 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 the plan that God has for us is that we would go back and revisit these stones and go, no, you know what? Because I felt that way when we were standing on the other side of the river. And when we thought it couldn't happen then, God was faithful. And we put these stones here lest we ever forget what God is able to do in our lives. And then you go back and you go, if he was faithful to me then, he can be faithful to me now. If he could move the impossible then, he can move the impossible now. You guys are getting so much better at clapping every week. It's amazing. We're becoming a clapping church. I'm going to start telling my friend, like, we have clappers, and they just do, you say something good, and they're like. <laughs> God is faithful. God has been faithful, and God will be faithful. And every time that you take those moments in your life and put a stone somewhere that you can remember them, you build an altar in front of the enemy that when he taunts you, you go, no, look at these stones. Because if God could do it then, he can do it now. If God was faithful to me in the midst of that dark situation, he'll be faithful to me now. I'll never forget calling my dad a couple months into the church and money was tight. We're starting this thing. We had like 100 people. We're, I'm like, well, this thing's going under. We're never going to make it. This thing, they're going to be like, remember that church, Valley Rise Church, that lasted six months? Like, I was like, this thing is never going to work. And I called my dad and I said, Dad, I don't know how we're going to make it, okay? This is, I, my dad, for those who don't know, is a pastor in Louisiana, a great church. So I call him, I go, really, I'm hoping he's going to go, we'll send you a check, you know, it's okay, don't worry about it, son. That's what I'd like for him to do, but it's not what he does. Um, and, and, and I said, Dad, you know, I don't know how we're going to make it. And he said something to me that I've hung on to since then. He said, son, God's been putting checks in my mailbox for 35 years. He is faithful. He will be faithful. Okay, you press in, believe God will show up. That sounded profound, and then I followed it up with, then can we switch mailboxes? Because all, all that's coming into mailboxes is bills that I can't pay, Dad, so I don't know what you mean. 
And I was so reminded of God's faithfulness every single season we've walked through this. And sometimes the greatest moments are the moments that God shows up and does something amazing. It seems horrible. I'll never forget right after that. It was right after this conversation. The end of that week, Alex is going, and some of you have heard the story. Alex is going, baby, what are we going to do? Like, we can't even pay for the building next month. What are we going to do? How are we going to make it? How are we going to? And I'm going, you know, we're going to pray. We're going to trust God. God's been faithful. He's been putting checks in the mailbox for 35 years. Okay, just, just, I'm just repeating stuff. I'm just saying what my dad said, okay? I don't even know. I'm trying to make myself believe this thing. And it's going to be okay, baby. We're going to make it. The next day, Tuesday, baby, I'm, I'm getting really nervous. You know, baby, we're going to trust God. I'm trying to lead strong. You know, we're going to trust God. It's going to be okay. Everything's fine. Thursday night, she looks at me. She goes, like, the bills are due Friday. Okay, b- baby, like, what? I, they're past due. I, they're, they're past due. <laughs> baby, what, what are we going to do? Like, how? Like, are, you don't even seem nervous. I'm like, well, I wasn't nervous until you started asking me so many times, and now I'm nervous, okay? I was fine before you started asking me every single day, and now I'm just as worried as you are, so I don't know. <laughs> like, I get frustrated with her. I go, we're going to go. I'm, I'm going to go on for a walk. I'm going to go check the mail. Men, let me tell you this. I was very upset when I bought a house, and my mailbox wasn't, like, in the front yard. Because like in neighborhoods here, they have them like all. Then I decided this was like the greatest blessing ever. Because every time we get mad, I'm like, I'm going to check the mail, okay? And I can be gone for like an hour. She's like, Where, where'd you go? I'm like, they moved the mailbox. It's somewhere over there somewhere. I just had to walk a long ways to find it. And got lost. There's multiple mailboxes. And so I, I, I go to check the mail really to clear my head. Okay, I'm just going to go out there and open the mail. And there's an envelope in there. And open it up, and it's a $10,000 check from somebody in the church that had never, never given before. No, it was, and I literally got down on my knees in front of that mailbox and wept and said, God, you are faithful. You have been faithful. You will be faithful. And I came in the front door with that check, and I, <laughs> I'm dancing. I show it to Alex. Alex is weeping. Eli's crying. Eli doesn't even know why he's crying, okay? He's crying and dancing. He's like, we're not poor. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> But it was those moments that create the faithfulness of God in your life. That you go only God. And oftentimes what seems like the darkest moments like that end up being a stone that you stack up. That one day he'll be calling me going, Dad, I don't know how we're going to make it. Dad, I don't know how I'm going to do it. Dad, we don't know. The doctor's report said something else. Dad, we don't know what this is going to look like. And I'll say, Son, God is faithful, God has been faithful, and God will be faithful. We put our stones there, not just for us, but for our children. And then the last stone that, that, that has been, that for us was a huge stone, was doing this, was doing Valley Rise. Listen, we were, we were at the second largest church in America, for those of you who don't know our story. Had a great job, loved it. Like, I, I'm in the, the moment God spoke Valley Rise to me. We're in a, we're in a theater, we're in a uh, student conference that our church would put on every year. 18,000 students. I'm standing on the floor, Elevation Worship, which is one of the greatest worship bands in America, is playing. I'm like on the third row right there, just standing there. I could have walked on the stage if I wanted to. We're putting on the conference, I'm just standing. I'm hosting Tim Tebow, who's a buddy of mine. We're standing there. The guy from ESPN, Marty Schottenheimer's on the other side of me. I'm, we're just, I'm literally going like, this is, I'm living the dream. This is, you couldn't get more than what I have in ministry right now. This is amazing. I get to do everything I've ever dreamed about doing in ministry. On the largest platform, second largest platform in America. This is awesome. And I text Alex and I said, I don't know what's going on, but I'm the most externally fulfilled I've ever been in my whole life. And I'm the most internally unfulfilled. There's something that God's calling us to do and I can't figure it out. 
And we begin, we go into 21 days of prayer and fasting right after that. And at the end of it, I have a conversation with a couple key pastors in my life, my pastor, their dad, a couple other guys. And, and we're on the phone and in the middle of the conversation. Now, let me say this. Houston has always been my city. I'm the, my, my dad is from Houston. I was born in Texas. Um, they, they didn't move there when I was two. I've, I'm the only one in my family that wasn't born in Louisiana. I have always told Alex, when we were dating, we'd come up here. Before I was even saved. For what? You proposed here. I proposed here at the water wall downtown. Like, she was like, why are we driving to Houston? I'm like, we got to pick up some presents for Christmas. And then, like, just proposed at the water wall, then we drove back. Like, <laughs> I just thought it was cool. Um, I, we used to drive into Houston, and I would say to her, I don't know what it is about this place, but when we drive into Houston, I'm the most at home I've ever been in my whole life. It's the craziest feeling. I'm from Lafayette, Louisiana. It's always been home. You don't leave Lafayette. Lafayette's like, it's, it's, it's like a little piece of heaven with crawfish. Like, it's just, it's awesome. And I kept going, I don't know why, when I'm in Houston, I just feel more at home. So no one knew this but me and her. I graduated in Schulenburg, you'll know that. But Houston just was a theme throughout my life for some reason that made no sense to me. Why did God keep bringing me back? And I used to tell her, I know I'm Cajun on the outside, but I feel like I'm Texas on the inside. It's the weirdest thing. Like, it's crazy. And so we're on this conversation, and she's in the other room, and she keeps opening the door. I know this is a serious conversation about our future. She keeps opening her door. Wives, I don't know why y'all do this to us in the worst moments, okay? And she's, like, peeking in the room, and I'm like, open the door, okay? She's like, what? I'm like, no, get out of here, get out of here. I'm, like, having to repent on the phone. They're like, what would you say? I'm like, nothing. Get out of here, okay? I'll call you when they come, when it's over. Okay, okay. Now we're in a fight because she's mad at me because I won't let her come in. And in the middle of this conversation, the guy says to me, Christian, I think what you're feeling I think you're supposed to plant a church. I think that's what you're feeling. And he says this. He goes, I think you're supposed to go to Houston and plant a church. And he had no clue that Houston was mine. He had no clue. And in the deepest part of me, something said, that's exactly where you're supposed to be. And I literally said to him, I can't do this. There's, that's too, I can do anything else. I can go be a number two somewhere. I can go be a college pastor. I can go be a youth pastor. I can do anything else but start my own church. You know how scary that is? And they have all done it. They were all like, yes, we do. <laughs> like, <laughs> I cannot do that. Anything but that I can do. And they said, Christian, you're supposed to do this. If you feel like it's the one thing you can't do, then it's probably the one thing God's calling you to do. Think about that. If you feel like it's the one thing that you can't do, it's probably the one thing God's calling you to do. Because that means you have to rely on him so much for it to actually happen. And I get off the phone and... She comes in the room and, and tell from that part. And you're weeping, like sobbing, weeping. My brother had just died a year before yeah. in a motorcycle accident. Okay, for those, I, I know, know it's kind of heavy to just throw in there, but I, didn't I know what I was walking in. She thought someone died. Yeah. Okay, again. And then I'm like, "What's wrong? Are you okay? Is everybody else okay?" And he's just like, "I got off the phone with so and so, and um, they really think we should plant a church." And I'm like, "Okay." I just sit there and he's still crying. Let me say this. I'm sobbing, okay, like uncontrollably because Birmingham, Alabama was heaven for us. I did not want to leave Birmingham. I'm sobbing uncontrollably on the table. I mean, on the, on the bed. Y'all like, that table does a lot of things in y'all's house. You sleep on the table. You, you guys need some furniture? Um, furniture? She always corrects me. Apparently it's not furniture. Um, so I'm, I'm on the bed just sobbing. I'm weeping. And, and men, you know when you're at that point, I don't have the emotional energy to deal with her, okay? Like, and I knew when I told her that, because we talked. Birmingham was our, our, our heaven. I mean, we were like, we're never leaving Birmingham. This place is amazing. Why would we ever even think about leaving here? So I knew when I told her that, excuse me, when I told her that, that she was going to be like, no, we ain't leaving here. They're crazy. 
So I'm just like, I don't have the energy to walk through why we shouldn't do this and all the reasons and what we're going to tell them and why we shouldn't do it. And, you know, I, I, can't, I can't have that conversation right now. So I just keep my head down. I'm just sobbing. And I'm thinking she's crying too, so I'm just like, I'm just going to cry until she leaves, I guess. And I, I, I finally, she doesn't say anything, and I pick my head up, and she's just sitting there like this. And I'm like... <laughs> it was worse than that. I'm like, what? <laughs> she's like, I don't know why you don't think you're ready. I think you're 100% ready. I think this is what we're supposed to do. And I just want y'all, I just want all of you to know, y'all would not be here today if it wasn't for that right there. Y'all wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that moment right there where she looked at me and said, we're supposed to do this. You've always loved Houston. God's put Houston in your heart forever. We're supposed to go and start our church in Houston. And I looked at her and said, why would you say that? That's the worst thing. You're supposed to say no. Then I could be like, my wife said we can't go, so I don't know. And we took a leap out. And during that week, we got other job offers that seemed very appealing, but none of them even scratched the surface of saying, like, yes, let's do it. Um, another Island, one in Houston, from a yeah, dear friend of mine yeah. on the other side of Houston at a church, y'all would all know that I thought, maybe this is it. And Highlands was amazing. I mean, gosh, they were, they were awesome. So once he said this, I don't know, there was something in me, again, that in that moment, I, I've always seen that resilience. So I thought, yes, why not? Like this, it, Mama, talk for a minute just for women. How is it in those moments where I have been weak like that that you're able to be so strong and you're able to speak that life to me? Because I know I wouldn't do half the stuff I do if it wasn't for you encouraging me, kind of just hyping me up to do it. Some of it I feel like you just do to make me look stupid. But just you just like, <laughs> I'll be like, you think I can jump from here to that front row? She's like, for sure, baby. You can for sure do that. Because like, I know he won't do it I'm if like, I well, say I'll try yeah, it. Why not? If I'm like, you can't do it or don't do that, he's definitely going to do it. <laughs> well, that may be true. So how is it then in the middle of that for, for wives and future wives? I think just staying grounded. Like he's always had so many dreams and ideas. Like he's the dreamer. I'm just kind of like, go with the flow. That sounds good. Anything simple is fine. Like he's really out there. But I think um, I'm also his biggest cheerleader. So I know the dreams he has, and I knew the calling of God that he had on his life, no matter what, what it was, whether it was, you know, he was going to go to be a doctor after the medical field, or he was going to preach, like, I'm going to cheer him on, whatever that looks like, and it's very uncomfortable, because this, this isn't comfortable for me. You told me I couldn't go to the CIA, so you haven't yeah, always cheered yeah, me on. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Actually, I've said no to a lot of things. I literally have a list on my phone that is every idea he's ever wanted to do, and it's funny. It's like, it's totally random and out there. And many times it'd be like, you know, I think, I, I think, you know, that would be great. Let's just wait it out, you know. <laughs> like, nice. Thank God she ex-nayed the carny, the, rodeo, the, uh, the, the carnival carny. I was like, I want to travel the world and be a rodeo carnival guy. Like, that seems like the greatest job ever. She's yeah. like, you're not going to be a carny, okay? We're not, that's not. <laughs> um, but I think you're, you know, his biggest cheerleader. And whatever that looks like, it may be uncomfortable. And, but it's not about you. It's not about you at all. If God's called them to something, then you run with it, you cheer them on, and I think if you don't give up, you win, and I think there's a reward when you're obedient, and, you know, my family, my husband and my family is my job to steward, and if that comes before me, it comes before me, but um, I don't know if that answered your question. I think... You know, I, again, people always, I always tell people, I get to go to so much stuff. 
And oftentimes I'm the one in the spotlight holding the microphone. But I couldn't do anything that I ever do without her. Husbands, if you will value and people go, God, how does your wife look so good? Because I treat her really well. And my dad always told me, look at your mom. And I look at her, my mom looks awesome. My mom looks like she's 30 and she's like, I don't know, like super old. But like, <laughs> she's had five kids, okay? Like she's like, <laughs> take that back. she's not super old. You're not super old, mom. You're like, she's like 55, 60, I don't know. It's like, and if you're that age, I didn't mean super old. I mean, uh, and and I, people would always go, man, look, your mom looks so good. And my dad would always stop me and go, if you will tend to your wife well, she will look like that in 50 years. And people will go, how does your wife look so good? Because God has called me to tend to and encourage and champion and put her up on a pedestal and use my words to talk about her. And I, I always want to be her biggest encourager because I know that I couldn't do what God called me to do without her. Every time I go to a coffee appointment with any of you or anyone, it's because she's holding down the fort at home. Anytime I go out to speak places and people get saved and they go, this is awesome and this is great, you're a great preacher, they don't see her at home with the kids because I couldn't do it if it wasn't for her. And if you will learn in marriage and in relationships to value the other person and value their success as your success, it will last you a long time. And you will find yourself in places you never deserve to be simply because you stewarded what God put in your hand. If you will steward what God puts in your hand, he will give you what is in your heart. And there are many times that what got me into the room wasn't being a great preacher and wasn't being an, an awesome pastor. and was, It was having her as my wife and our story and how she championed me on and how she stuck with me when she shouldn't have and how she stayed faithful to God's calling when I didn't. And how all of that is what got me places that I look back and go, if it wasn't for the grace of God in my wife, I wouldn't be here. And I always tell people, you know, God gave Adam a job before he gave him a wife. But Adam lost his job because he didn't steward his wife. God gave Adam a job. Name the animals in the garden. Tend to the garden. Take care of all of this. And then he gave him a wife, Eve. You're like, who's Adam? For those of you who don't know, I'm talking about Adam and Eve in the garden. You're like looking at me like, is Adam work here? Where's Adam? Like, <laughs> and God gave Adam a job before he gave him a wife. But Adam lost his job of stewarding the garden because he didn't tend to his wife, because they didn't walk together, because he let her have a moment of vulnerability that cost them everything. Husbands, wives, this is your greatest ministry that you will ever have. You may not think you're in ministry. You are in ministry. It's called marriage, and marriage is a ministry. And if you treat it well, it will treat you well. And if you treat it poorly, it will treat you poorly. And listen to me, I'm not saying this as someone who has it all figured out. I'm saying this as someone who has walked through it and had to figure it out. I'm saying it as someone who's thrown it all away and messed it up and had to go. And people always go, man, what is your greatest characteristic? I just don't quit. And when I got back in this thing, I said, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to have the best marriage we can have. I'm going to figure out how to do this thing right. I'm going to love God with all my heart. I'm if you will throw your heart into your marriage and if you will throw your heart into your wife and if you will find a way to make it work, it will take you places that you could never even imagine that God could bring you. And he does it so that neither one of you can say that it's all about you. But you can realize that it's only because of both of y'all doing what God called you to do and running in the same direction. Single people, listen. Who you choose to marry will determine a lot of where your calling takes you. And it doesn't matter if it's in business or if it's in ministry or if it's with your kids or if it's in relationships. Who you choose to do life with is like the biggest decision next to Jesus you will ever make. Because I have friends that should be doing what I'm doing in ministry that aren't because they married the wrong person. They married someone who didn't champion their calling. 
They married someone that when they came in and said, I think God's given me a dream, said, no, that's stupid. We're not doing something like that. And thank God that I have a wife that when I come in and go, I feel like this is God, that she goes, if it's God, let's jump in and do it 100%. Because if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for that, he wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for that, the promises that God has given us and the stones that we stack and continue to stack would not be there. God is faithful. God has been faithful. And God will be faithful. Let me ask you this. What stones today in your life do you need to stack? Because I just want to tell you, if you don't recognize them, you'll forget what God has done for you. If you don't take the moments when God does do things in your life to recognize them and go, that was God. Then the next time the enemy comes to attack you, you'll begin to buy into the lies that he has. You're right. This was, I don't know. Maybe God doesn't. Maybe I just... Maybe, maybe we missed this. Maybe this wasn't God. Maybe he can't do it this time. Maybe God's not going to show up for me now. Maybe God. But I love what it says. Put that first verse up again, um, Rebecca, Joshua 4. I love this. I think it's so key. The next, go to the next one. So that when your children ask you, when your children ask you in time to come, because listen to me, the time comes for all of us. Hard times come for all of us. Your hard time will come at some point. And when it comes, he goes, here's what I want you to do. Put these stones there so that when your children ask you in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them of the faithfulness of God. What do those stones mean to you? What does it mean to you the times God spared you that no one knows about? The late night home, coming home from the bar that, that you don't remember, that you don't know how you got home. Because I don't know about you, and maybe it's different in, in Texas than it is in South Louisiana, but there are many nights I go, I got home by the grace of God and his hand on my life alone. But if I don't recognize those, flipping my forerunner on the, on the highway on I-10 doing 80 miles an hour, rolling it over and walking away and people going, how did you survive the roof crushed to the steering wheel? If I don't recognize those moments where God spared me, then I start to discount the call that he has on my life. And listen to me, I don't care what you do, whether it's business or ministry or marriage or relationships, there is a call that God has on your life. He created you with a purpose for a purpose. And there are things inside of you that only you can do. There is something that you do better than anyone else that God created for you to do. And if you don't recognize it, you will begin to discount those things in your life. You'll begin to discount what God is able to do and why he saved you. Because he didn't just save you for no reason. He saved you so that you could do something. He saved you so that you could have a purpose and could have a plan. And let me just tell you this. I talk about it on the podcast in the last episode. I tell a story of one of our families in the church. And every time I tell the story, I sat in my car last night and listened to the end of it again. And I just wept. And I said to myself, and this is what I say to myself in those moments. Y'all have heard some of it. Y'all have heard it, the story about Nicole that, that we did this thing on. Last night, I'm sitting in my Tahoe in the driveway, 11 o'clock at night going, I do this because there's more Nicoles out there. There's more stories like this out there. There's more people that need to be reached out there. There's more families that need Jesus out there. There's more families that need Valley Rise out there. And listen to me, there are more people that need what's inside of you out there. There are people that need the dream in your heart out there. 
There's people that need your love and your gift and your passion and your excitement and your hope for people and your joy for people and whatever gift God has put inside of you, there are people out there that need it. And you have got to be able to recognize these stones so that you don't lose sight of where God called you. Because what the story looks like for the Israelites is these stones are here because God took us from Egypt and brought us to a promised land. And each of you have a promised land that God has called you to. And if you will remember to place the stones, then every time you go back to the stones, you'll remember God didn't just save you for a reason. He saved you for a purpose. And the purpose is the promised land that he wants to take you to. Jesus, that's good. Put these stones there so that in time, you can stand and tell your children of the faithfulness and the promises of God. That when your children call you, that you'll be able to say, baby, listen, I know it's hard. I don't know how it's going to happen. But I do know one thing. God is faithful. God has been faithful. And God will be faithful to you, just like he was to us. Would you bow your heads with me? Dear Lord Jesus, we're so thankful. We're thankful for the faithfulness that never fails. God, we're thankful that when we're faithless, you are still faithful. We're thankful that in the moments where we don't know how it's gonna happen, the bad doctor's report, the empty bank account, the ruined relationship, the dead marriage, the opportunity the door's closed on, that we're reminded, God, that if you were faithful then, you will be faithful now. That if you were faithful then, you will be faithful to us now. God, let us never shrink you down to make you fit in our mind. Let us remember that you are bigger than what we think. And every time we put a stone on the other side of the river, we remember your faithfulness and how big you are. We remember the moment you moved the waters. We remember the moment you slayed the giants. We remember the moment you parted the Red Sea. We remember those moments in our own lives. And God, we cling to your faithfulness because in this life there will be trouble. But take heart because you have overcome the world. God, you are bigger than what we think. You are bigger than our ideas or our philosophies or what we can wrap our mind around. But God, you're also small enough to come down and meet us and take us on a journey. God, we're so thankful that you are so much bigger than what we can understand or fathom. Today, God, we just say thank you. God, I think, I think of sitting on my bed in the darkest times of our marriage two years ago, thinking, God, there's no way you could ever use me. There's no way you could use our story. God, only you, only you can script stories like this. God, I know you have a story like that for each and every person here. You have a story of where you want to take them. You have a story of what you want to do inside of them. Their moment is coming well, where, where they will tell of your faithfulness, God, to their children, to their grandchildren, to their great-grandchildren. Let them not lose hope. If that's you today, and I just want to pray for you, and you say you can keep your heads bowed, every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, and you just go, Christian, I need that hope. I'm in an area that seems dead. 
I'm in an area where I need the faithfulness of God. I'm in an area where I need God to show up big. I want to pray for you. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up so we can pray for you? Amen. 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 You can put them down. Dear God, I stand here today holding a miracle in my hand. God, holding a miracle in my hand. Only you could have dreamed up this story, God. No one will ever know the details how dark this thing seemed. How hopeless it seemed. How dead it seemed. Only you, God. And God, I know that if you could meet me then, that you can meet them now. I know that if you could be faithful to us, you can be faithful to them. God, you saw every hand that went up. Today, I pray hope upon them. I pray courage upon them. I pray strength upon them. I pray joy and life upon them. Holy Spirit, I ask that your presence would fill them with your joy and your hope, that they would encounter you in a new way, that they would have the refreshing, life-giving love of Jesus that flows out of them and changes and transforms them, that when the enemy stands before them and mocks them, that they can look at the enemy and say, God is faithful, God has been faithful, and God will be faithful. God, you know every situation and you know every story. I pray that you would do what only you can do. Do what only you can do inside of them. Open doors only you can open. Close doors only you can close. Speak to them like only you can speak to them. That one day they will be standing in front of people saying, if you knew the faithfulness of God, like I know the faithfulness of God, you would not be worried. God, thank you for your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Now, there's some of you here today that maybe you've been in church and maybe you've experienced religion, but you've never experienced the relationship of God's faithfulness like that. You never had a relationship with Jesus where he wasn't mad at you, that he was okay taking you on a journey, that he loved you right where you are and loved you enough to take you on that journey with him. And today, if you're here and you go, Christian, I've never experienced that, but I want to. I want to start a relationship like that. Not religion and, and, and not just going to a church, but a relationship with Jesus that takes me on a journey of love and joy and peace. I want to come to the table, Christian. I want to come to the table and, and sit down and have that relationship. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this is between you and Jesus. I just want to pray for you. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up so I can pray with you? Amen. Amen. Now we're going to pray this together, and you can pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. You can pray it under your breath. It's between you and Jesus. That's all I ask. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for staying faithful in times when I haven't been. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came from heaven to earth to live a perfect life. And I believe that you died the death I should have died to pay my sin bill so that I wouldn't have to. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me new and fresh life. Today, Lord Jesus, I commit to follow you. I choose you, Jesus, to love you, to meet you at the table, 
to stay close to you and to begin stacking stones of faithfulness that will last for generations to come. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, would you give a hand to those that just made the greatest decision of their lives? Amen. I know, listen, I know what you're thinking. The question I get about me and Alex a lot is, how in the world did she get you? And it is, it's a miracle. It really is. Um, It is a miracle that I have her. And every day I'm grossly overmarried. I remember that. Thankful, thankful, thankful that I have a wife. Would y'all give Alex a hand? Thank you so much, mama. Hey, we're so excited to start next week. Running with the Giants, I'm telling you, it's going to be great. It's one of my favorite series. It's really diving into some of the people in the Bible and the personalities. And and if they could run the lap with us, how would they encourage us? What would they tell us? How would they tell this story? So I encourage you to be here next week. Invite a friend. It'll be a great time. Hey, if you came prepared to worship with your giving, we got three ways that you can do that. Do that. Um, you can give in the offering envelopes. They'll pass. And, hey, if you filled out a connection card, prayer request, you can slip that in the offering buckets as well. We would love to pray with you and stand with you. Um, you can give online at valleyrisechurch.com. Click the giving link, or you can text Valley Rise in the amount to 77296. None of this happens without you. And I say, for those of you who are new here, I say it every week. I know our people probably get tired of hearing it, but I will never ask you for anything. The Bible says every man should decide in his own heart what the Lord would have him give. And so at Valley Rise, we always say you pray and you ask God. And whatever God tells you to do, that's what we want you to do. We know that God is faithful and will care for us. Hey, thank you guys so much for being here with us today. If you will, bow your heads with me. We'll pray and we'll get out of here. Dear Lord Jesus, we're so thankful. So thankful for each and every gift and every giver, God. None of this would be possible without you bringing people to support what you want to do here. God, we know that you see every single gift and every giver. Return it to them a hundredfold, God. Let this be the greatest investment they've ever made. I pray that you would bless them, that you would care for them, that you would be faithful to them in every area of their lives, God. I pray that your face would shine upon them this week, that everything they set their hand to, seeking first the kingdom of God, would prosper. God, bless them and keep them. Watch over them and protect them. Let this be the greatest week of their lives. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.